Well, good morning, church family. Isn't it a dreary day outside? It is. I was actually, I texted uh, Shane and I texted Amanda thinking like, so is this whole room going to be like, you know, flooded, covered in water, you know, when we get here? And thank Jesus, only one little puddle over here has taken every single towel that we have to, uh, to keep it down. But, but I love the fact that even on a day like this, we can come and we can praise God and we can trust in Him to show up and to speak to us through songs that glorify Him, but most importantly, through the Word of God that He, he literally gave His life to make sure that we have. Jesus not only came to the earth to die on the cross for our sins, like all of these songs just confessed and professed to Him, but He also came so that we could see an image of what God was like, an example by watching and listening to Jesus and, and watching how He acted, we might actually get a picture of the heart of God. And that's why I believe that the Bible is so important. Is, is sure, throughout the whole Old Testament, we, we got these, the, the voice of God speaking to His people, and, they, and he, he gave them promises and prophecies as well as warnings, and they wouldn't listen. And so the Old Testament closes with like this unfinished message with the people of God enslaved. And such a crazy concept. And we spent all last week really thinking through this. Remember we introduced the series on the kingdom by looking at what the kingdom of God was. This is the no good side. And, uh, wow. I feel like I need to like, whisper now. This is... but, but as we talked about what the kingdom of God was, I borrowed a definition, a three-faceted definition from a man named Graham Goldsworthy. And that was the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule. And, I, and I, I walked us through the Old Testament of where we saw after every single promise God made, we could see how the elements of that kingdom were fighting to come to the forefront But because of the sin of mankind, we were kicked out of God's place, the Garden of Eden. And so for the rest of the Old Testament, we watch as imperfect people attempt, attempt to live under the rule of God. But inevitably, generation after generation only chose to live for themselves. And to kick God off the throne and instead to place themselves on it. And so we never fully see the rule of God realized in the Old Testament. But that's why we were given prophecy after prophecy. See, God understood that the problem of our sin made it to where we would never be able to submit to the rule of God in our life. We might for a time and and to certain commands, we might agree with them even in our flesh and therefore follow them. But the problem is there would always be that stain of selfishness that sought to seize the throne and to live the way we wanted to. And that's exactly why in Genesis chapter 3, God prophesies of a snake crusher. The one who would come to the earth and crush the head of evil. And that's why in Genesis chapter 12, God prophesied that there would be a great blessing for the whole world that would come from the line of Abraham. 
And it's why Moses in Deuteronomy 18 prophesied that a greater prophet than he would come and he would lead the people and cause them to obey his commands. And finally, in 2 Samuel 7, God promises King David, the greatest king that Israel ever saw, he promised that there would come one who was greater, the forever king who had no beginning and would have no end, and he would reign forever. And that was Jesus Christ. And so if that's the foundation of what the kingdom of God is, and if you remember, we summarize it this way, the kingdom of God is the reign of God in us. And so the way that currently, right now, the kingdom of God moves and expands and grows is through you and through me. If we, will, if we will submit to stepping off the throne of our life and giving God that place. In fact, the only aspect of the kingdom that we still lack is God's place. As we, Christians, those who have repented of sin and placed faith in Jesus, become His people, who live willingly, and submissively under His rule through the Holy Spirit. We live here and now as foreigners in this land. Not quite home. And so His rule only comes through our hearts in this moment, and we do not see a finalized King Jesus on a physical throne on this earth. But that's because it comes later. And so now the question is, how will we live out the kingdom reign of God in us now. Not in God's place. But still God's people under God's rule. And this, this is what has led me, thinking through this series, to, to trying to tackle the question of how do we, Revolution Church, engage or impact the, the community of Oakland that seems to lack community, that seems to lack connection. And I found it intriguing that the mayor is asking that question, that the Chamber of Commerce is asking that question. How do we connect with a community that, that doesn't exist practically, where people work and play in Memphis but come home only to sleep? And in the whole time that I've been praying through this, that's what, that's what led me to this kingdom series. I believe God is speaking very clearly to us And so I've tried to put it into words. I don't think it's perfect, but we're going to rock and roll with it as our vision statement for 2019. And that's, we want people connecting and worshiping God together in kingdom communities. And it's going to form the foundation for our small group emphasis. You see, us gathering here this morning, we are a kingdom community. We are God's people under God's rule in a temporary place for God. Okay? But the way we're going to see that more fully is when we get together in smaller groups, able to connect and talk and laugh and pray and share and praise God together. And so we're in the process right now of talking through as as the leadership, dreaming through what are these small groups going to look like. And hopefully we'll get to see a, a whole new small group strategy start up come the new year in January. So be looking for that. Because I would love to see every single person who calls Revolution home, I would love to see them connected in some kind of small group where they can express their hearts, their fears, where they can receive prayer and where we can grow together, reaching out to the city of Oakland and inviting them back in 
to our community. And so this morning, we're going to take a look at the first key word, though, in that, in that phrase. We want people connecting and worshiping to God together in kingdom communities. And when I say people, I specifically mean kingdom people. So all last week, we talked about what the kingdom of God was. And this morning, I want us to, to, to talk about what that looks like in you and in me. Is that fair? And so here's what I, I want us to take away from this morning. Kingdom people are different because of Jesus. Kingdom people are different because of Jesus. And so what I want you to do is turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. We'll have it on the screens, but still, nothing can replace you putting eyes on that, double-checking me that I am, I'm reading correctly, but also being able to work through it and think through it yourself. Personally, I write notes in my Bible. I'm that kind of heathen. And so I, I find that that always helps me to remember certain things that God was telling me at one moment, and then the next moment I might forget, and so I can flip back there easy. So I would encourage you to take some kind of note. Because I believe that as we take this journey talking about kingdom, and as we seek to be a kingdom community at Revolution Church, God is going to say some things to you and to me. And what God might say to you might be exactly what I need to hear. Because the kingdom of God is not made up of individuals. Your your salvation was not for you alone. Instead, the reason Christ came to this world was to purchase for himself a people that need each other. Not a lone ranger, not a one-man show. The only reason I'm up here Sunday after Sunday is because God has gifted me as a part of the body of Revolution Church to be able to preach and teach. And He might have gifted you in a similar way. Or your gift might be serving one another or encouragement or praying for other people or or serving, blessing them. And so this, this whole journey of us finding what it looks like for us to be a kingdom people here We all have a part. And so what I want us to do this morning, look down in in Matthew chapter 16. And we're going to start, find your way to to verse 13. I want you guys to see some of the qualities of what make kingdom people. We just got off of this series in 1 Peter called Revolutionary, where we, we got to listen from the Apostle Peter what God was saying for us today. But we're going to come back to one of the moments in his life where Peter is Peter, And he talks before thinking, and he gets into trouble, and he has to learn a very valuable lesson by some pretty harsh words of Jesus. But we can learn from that lesson. Kingdom people are different because of Jesus. Go ahead and look down in in, in, in verse, uh, verse 13 of chapter 16. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so let's pause for a second. Let me back up and bring you up to speed. So in the 16th chapter of Matthew, we've already seen Jesus walking around for like two plus years, ministering to people across the Judean countryside. And he's been healing everybody. He's been casting out demons, proving he has authority and power, kingdom authority and power, over the created world as he calms the storms and exerts control 
over waves and wind. As he, as, he, as he dispels the effects of darkness by removing sickness and pain. And as he takes the fight straight to the enemy of mankind. Casting out demons and binding them back. This is Jesus. And so for two years he's been doing this. He's fed over 5,000 people out of five small loaves. Dudes walked across the water. This Jesus is, is God. And so for two years as he's been teaching, these 12 disciples have been with him every step of the way. Eyewitnesses to everything he's done and everything he's said. And so now Jesus looks at them, the 12, and says, what are people saying about me? That's where we find ourselves in Matthew 16. But let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. And so after they said, the people are calling you John the Baptist, prophets like Elijah and Jeremiah, in verse 15 he says to them, but who do you say that I am? And here's our boy Peter, verse 16. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, a.k.a. Son of Jonah. For flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Can you hear like the excitement in Jesus' voice as Peter voices this great confession? The single greatest confession in all four Gospels, the first, first, first four books of the New Testament. The single greatest confession. That Jesus is, in fact, the promised Messiah or Christ, the Son of the living God. Every action and every activity that Jesus has performed up to this point has been for this point. That the people of the world would begin to see him for who he is. The king returned. And I love in Jesus' excitement, after he says all these things in verse 20, he then strictly charges the disciples to tell no one that he is the Christ. Kind of strange, and we'll get there. We'll get there. But if, if, we're, if you're reading this, and you're probably like me, and, and you probably think to yourself, we need to pray in this moment that God will speak to us. So let's do that. In the name of the true Lord Jesus Christ, we recognize that you have a message for us, and you desire to show us what, what kingdom people are like, and to call us and challenge us to be kingdom people. And so, Father, we pray you would speak through your word, and show us a little, a little more of who you are and what you would have for us in Jesus' name. Amen. And so the first quality we find right here is that kingdom people believe in Jesus. As Peter makes this great confession, it is the only thing that separates him and the rest of the disciples whom he is speaking for from the rest of the crowds in the world who saw Jesus as this great prophet, this, this great guy like John the Baptist, but they didn't see him as the Messiah. And so as Peter makes this profession for the rest of the disciples, who they've clearly discussed this before, and Peter is just the spokesman, that he is the Christ, we might easily quickly read over that word. See, Christ is the Greek word for the Hebrew word of Messiah. Messiah. 
And the Hebrew word Messiah means the anointed one. Americans in the Western world today would know this as the chosen one. We have many motifs of this in our, in our stories, in our movies. You know, you could probably name some off the top of your head, you know, like Anakin Skywalker or Harry Potter. I had to put a movie reference in because they weren't planned anywhere else. So, so these are chosen ones. And they're all a type of the, of the, of the true king that, would to, that was to come. And, that, and this is Jesus who is the chosen one. Prophesied for over 1,500 years throughout all of the Old Testament. And so when, when Peter makes this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the chosen king who is to come, he's saying, I believe that you are the snake crusher. I believe that you are the, the blessing for the whole world, the greater prophet, the forever king come to reign. And that is a huge profession. It's so huge that this passage has so much controversy surrounding it. Because as Peter makes his confession, and we drop down and we see how Jesus responds to him in total excitement, he says some things that sound confusing, like, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And it has caused all kinds of, of, of controversies and, and, dare I say, heresies to creep in to what we believe. And some churches might, might believe that, that what's being talked about here is that Peter is this rock. And Peter's faith and Peter's authority is what will build the church. But that flies in the face of the confession he made. Peter's confession was that Jesus was the anointed one. That Jesus was the king of the universe. And so we must understand this rock as being that confession, which is the foundation for every single thing you and I believe as Christians. It is the one thing in the Bible we cannot disagree on. That Jesus is king, the rightful ruler of the universe, and the rightful ruler of your heart. Kingdom people believe in Jesus. And the world does not like to think this way. The world teaches that we should be able to believe what we want and be affirmed that what we believe is right. But let me try and paint this the best way I know how. It's why it's so crucial that we tackle the concept of kingdom. See, in a kingdom, you have to be a citizen. And I don't know what you've gone through in your life or if you've ever gone overseas, but I've been, I've been to Central America, different countries there several times, and if I was just to go to Guatemala and decide to believe that I was a Guatemalan citizen, that would change nothing. Instead, I would have to work through their process, submit to their procedures, learn their laws, and submit to them to just begin the process. And so when it comes to being a citizen of the kingdom, being kingdom people who are different because of Jesus, we must not just, not just decide that we, we like the idea that God is love and we like the idea that that. that we can feel that, but we must believe that Jesus is the King and make Him the ruler of our heart. Give Him back the throne. Because kingdom people don't live for themselves. Kingdom people live for God. And that's a huge difference. Look down at verse 17 and 18. We kind of discussed a little bit earlier about the controversy centering around what was the rock 
Read it in verse 17 and 18. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven has revealed to you that I am the Messiah. God has a hand in our salvation. And apart from Him, you cannot know God. He must call you first. That's what it says in John chapter 6, verse 45 and 46. And so God has revealed to Peter that Jesus is the Messiah, and then Jesus uses this, this confession to begin what will be the church of kingdom people, those who submit to the rule and reign of Jesus. And he says, listen, and he says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom, that's authority, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. But listen, the gates of hell shall not prevail against this kingdom reign. This is more than just you and me. This is about Jesus. And so the point is the reality that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that truth is unshakable. And the powers of the enemy, sin and death, cannot stand against it. And so the first quality of kingdom people is that they must believe in Jesus. But I want you to see what happens after this awesome moment. After Peter makes this great confession and Jesus gets super excited about what his disciples are believing... He's going to start to teach a little bit more and reveal a little bit more about what this kingdom's going to look like. And we're going to watch as the disciples pull back a little bit. Look down in verse 21 at what happens next so that we can view the next quality, which is kingdom people think like Jesus. Look in verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things. Suffer things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, but on the third day be raised. But look at verse 22. But Peter takes him aside and begins to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this will never happen to you. But then Jesus whirls on him, And says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me. Why? For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Kingdom people don't just believe that Jesus is the king. But they begin to think like Jesus. They must think like Jesus. And in this moment, we might be responding like, what in the world happened? We go from Peter making this awesome confession to Jesus, like, like land blasting him with some harsh tone right here. And I believe it's in the harsh tone that we find a very important lesson. But oh, how the tables have turned. But the reality is here, and we might miss it if we don't try and stop and kind of understand what's happening. See, Peter and the rest of the disciples have some expectations about what Jesus being the Messiah will mean. They have some expectations about how he should act, what he should do, and what he definitely should not say, right? And so when Peter comes to Jesus and begins to rebuke him, he's like, whoa, Jesus, hold on. 
If you're going to be king and, and you're going to lead this revolution against the Roman occupation and set yourself up as king uh, on the throne of Jerusalem and we're supposed to be your lieutenants who, you know, we get all the riches and wealth and fame and status and power that go along with being your right hands, right? If we're going to get all those things, you can't talk like this. That's not the way we gain followers. You're talking about you suffering and dying. That's the tone of where Peter's coming from. See, he has some unspoken expectations about what it would look like to live for God and live for the kingdom. And those expectations come from his own desires. Just a couple chapters later in, in chapter 18 of Matthew, we find the disciples will bicker amongst themselves at who is the greatest in the kingdom and who gets to sit at Jesus' right hand. That's how you know what they're thinking now. Whoa, Jesus. What are you talking about? And so Jesus answers very harshly. Read verse 23 again. Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Kingdom people must think like Jesus. And, and what, we, what we're finding here is that Peter's mindset is set on the things that would make him more important, make him more valuable, gain him more wealth. And if we're not careful, you and I will approach God with very similar expectations. Where, where we love the concept that Jesus loves us, and we love the fact that Jesus is for us, but we want to tell him what that should look like. And when we should feel that. And how he should act to us. And what that shows us is that when we bring those kind of unspoken expectations into the mix, it kind of shows that Jesus really isn't on the throne, is he? He's more like the figurehead of England than a ruling king. And so Jesus responds harsh to break through that expectation, and to speak truth into Peter's life. That if he's going to be king, and if we're going to be kingdom people, then our thinking has to change. Not just what we believe, but the way we think. And that's targeted at the very heart problem of sin in our life. And I love the fact that this lesson kind of introduces... Do you all remember back in the Revolutionary Series... We got to a moment in First Peter where he's kind of teaching this concept that your focus determines the way you live your life. This is where Peter learned that lesson. That if your focus is, is on the things of man and what you can get out of this life and where your next paycheck will come from or your next meal or, or your next source of pleasure, then your mindset will never be controlled by God. It will only be controlled by your slavery to passion and pleasure. And so what Jesus is, is bringing up in this moment is that we must change. I'm going to break down the mindset of, people, of Peter and the rest of the disciples here. 
And so we're going to do some flipping. I understand if you don't want to flip physically. But I want you to go back because in, in chapter, well, I'll just, I'll just run through them. In chapter 13, we find that, that the disciples are believing in kind of like this kingdom of self. And if you were to skip forward in chapter 14, you find that the, the mindset of the people is one of fear, worrying about where their meals will come from and how they'll have enough bread to feed 5,000 people. And if you keep moving to like Matthew 15, we find fake worship at the heart of mankind. In Matthew 15, 19, evil thoughts, slander, and lies. And in Matthew 15, 33, worry about having enough or having enough wealth or food or, or whatever. And finally, in chapter 16, verse 1, thinking that God owes us something. As the Pharisees and the people demand more signs. But God doesn't owe you anything. Instead, it's out of the love of God that he acts at all. And because he loves people, he's creating a kingdom of people for himself. And I believe that this is, this is huge. And so as Jesus' harsh tone breaks through Peter's clouded mind, I want to ask you, what is your mindset on? When, as, as you go throughout the week, what does your mind fall to? Are, are you thinking about Jesus as the king on the throne, or are you thinking about how it would be nice to have this and this, and how this is terrifying, so God, you're going to have to move in this way. And that's where me and Melinda have been for several weeks. I know we announced on social media we're pregnant again. Melinda is pregnant, and we're going to have our second kid. But I'll admit there's come a little bit of some, 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 some worry there, because we don't have insurance, and we don't know what that's going to look like. And so if I'm not careful, even my mindset and my heart can be ruled by fear and worry. But that's not what God has called us to as people of the kingdom. We're supposed to trust Him. Because if He's a good king, He will provide. And so we're trusting Melinda and I in Jesus. What is your mind set on now? What I love about Matthew 12, it's, it's, a, it's a part of the scripture where Jesus is, is speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes. And, and he tells them, listen, listen, you hypocrites. Out of the, the evil things stored up in one's heart come evil thoughts and evil words. But out of the good things stored up in one's heart come good things and good words. And so Jesus says this, out of the overflow of what's in the heart the mouth will speak and the body will act. See, our minds are like sponges, is what he's getting at. And whatever we soak up is what they're going to squeeze out. And so not only what you believe about Jesus matters, but what you think matters. It matters. What are you filling your mind with? See, one one hour a week in the scripture is not enough to saturate your mind. That's like spritzing your lawn with water one day out of the week, expecting it to stay green throughout the summer. That's not saturation. It's spritzing, and it doesn't do anything. If our minds are going to begin to change from the mindset of, of sin and self, then we're going to have to saturate our minds, fill our minds with, with the words of Christ and, and, and the, the songs of praise. You know, I don't listen to Caleb anymore, 
But they'll oftentimes, if you do turn them on, you know, it'll probably be a pledge drive, so you'll want to turn it off. But at the same time, when it's not a pledge drive, they'll, they'll say things like taking the K-Love Challenge, and it's like 30 days of listening to nothing but Christian music. And for those of you who really like music, that's really hard to ever fathom doing Especially if it means listening to Caleb for 30 days. You know. But listen, there is some validity to what they're saying. I don't believe you should make Caleb your Bible or your God. But I do believe that we can be careful about what we allow into our minds. Because it affects what comes out. And if you're going to be kingdom people, if we're we're going to see Revolution Church grow and become impactful in our community because we're living out the reign of God in our lives, then we're going to have to change the way we think kingdom people are different because of Jesus. And so I'm going to offer you a challenge. There are 21 days left in the month of September. 21 days starting now. So my challenge is this. Saturate your mind with me. And for the next 21 days, read a chapter of the book of John a day. One chapter. If you want to read more, you can read more. If you want to read two chapters a day, you can read the book of John twice. But saturate your mind with Jesus. That's what I'm going to be doing for the next 21 days. There are 21 chapters in the book of John. Easy. Simple, but you can never saturate your mind with only one hour of church every week. It's not enough to, to begin to reverse the, the effects of your, of your heart and of my desires, and they need to be changed. Don't believe me? Look at the third and final quality of kingdom people in this passage. Keep reading. So we left off, we left off. In verse 23, but look in verse 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Verse 26. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but forfeits his soul. What you believe about Jesus matters. What you think about matters. But probably more importantly, how you live matters. And so the third quality is kingdom people live like Jesus. They believe in Jesus, they think like Jesus, and they live like Jesus. It's not enough just to profess belief if it's not changing you on the inside the way you think and thereby changing the way you act on the outside the way you live. Out of the overflow of within your heart, the mouth will speak and the body will act, Jesus says in Matthew 12. And so this is an important concept and this is where I believe the majority of churches and definitely the majority of Christians fail. We love to sing songs of praise to Jesus, but rarely is our life a song to Him. We have these words that we follow on the screens that guide our minds and guide our thoughts and our worship, but then we never fill our minds with the words of Christ during the week. 
And instead of being the kingdom community that's contagious, that people from the outside look in and see love and see sacrifice and see self-denial for the sake of others' benefits, if, if they don't see that because we're not portraying that, then why on earth would they ever come to Christ? Why on earth would they ever get off the throne? And so it matters the way you live. And the sphere of influence. Close your eyes in this moment. And I want you to think of, of, of five faces you see almost every day. And I'm not talking about your family, although, you know what? No, let's go with that. Let's go with five faces you see every day. The chances are that the five faces you see every day, that you spend the most time with, the chances are no one else has, has the same level of potential impact that you have. Jesus did not come to the earth, die on the cross to save you. He came to the earth to die on the cross to save them. And he placed you in their life for a reason. And if you don't believe in Jesus, and if you don't think like Jesus, and if you don't live like Jesus, then they will never... No, I won't say that. Chances are that they will never have a chance to enter the kingdom of God themselves. You are the image of Jesus for them. Just like Jesus is the image of God for us. How you live matters. And so when we look at these verses, Jesus turns from his rebuke on Peter and he addresses all the disciples. That means they were standing there. And so when he turns to the rest of the disciples, because he knows what, what the heart of Peter in this moment is the heart of, the, of them too. They all have expectations of how they want God to act and what they want God to do for them. And so Jesus addresses them and he gives them this crazy principle of the kingdom. Are you ready? The kingdom of God is upside down. Jesus says, you must deny yourself and follow me. Only then can you be my disciple. You must deny yourself. And if you were to go back to Matthew chapter 5 through chapter 7, that's the greatest sermon Jesus ever preaches. And the entire sermon is describing what the upside-down kingdom looks like. And in that, Jesus says the kingdom of God values humility over strength. The kingdom of God values forgiveness over vengeance. And the kingdom of God values generosity over wealth. It's upside down from the way the world thinks and from the way our hearts desire. See, denial of self, self is healthy and it's necessary. Jesus says you must deny yourself and follow me. For if anyone seeks to save their life, accumulating for themselves what they want, pining after the next boy toy or the next, or the next car or the next better job or, the, or the, the, the next spouse or the next child. When we pine after anything that is not of, of, of God and we allow that to become the central focus of our life, then listen, in that moment, Jesus is not reigning in your life. Taylor and I were talking on the phone because I had been reading this book and 
And oh my goodness, he makes a statement. It's called Revive Us Again, but I don't remember the author. I apologize. All right? But in this book, there's a, a, a part in the first chapter where he says, this is idolatry. If, you, if, if, if your primary source of joy and, and your primary focus in your life is anything that is not glorifying God, then you have an idol. If your primary source of joy is not your relationship with Jesus and His words to you, then you are guilty of idolatry. And I felt pierced to the heart. Because over the last several weeks, my son has been my primary source of joy. And although that might sound right, what is best for him is that my primary source of joy is God. Because then, hopefully, maybe, prayerfully, my son might also come to submit to the life of Christ by watching mine and Melinda's example. And then, where do you think my joy would be found in that moment? That Christ saved my son. But it's about Jesus, not him. How you live your life matters. What you think about matters. And what you believe about Jesus matters. Because kingdom people are different because of Jesus. I want to close with this. This past week I was re- listening to a podcast by a man named Russell Moore. And he's, uh, he's one of the heads of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Division of the Southern Baptist Convention, blah, blah, blah. But in this podcast he was describing the kingdom of God and he was talking about it, but then he, he, he starts to mention a common problem amongst Christians. And let me see if this sounds familiar to you. He explained that just like a high school reunion is all about reliving the glory days from the past, Christians have a wrong view about the kingdom of God. The thought that I need to live for now because after this life there won't be any more pleasure or the pleasure I might experience won't be anything compared to what I've already been living in, is like a teenager not wanting Jesus to return until they have sex. Mankind chases pleasure and then looks back after a while depressed as if there is nothing greater for them in the future. But I want to remind you for a moment of Psalm 1611. You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence there is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. If our minds and our lives are centered around amassing more and more pleasure here, then you will only ever find it to be unsatisfying. But as I was thinking through that, I thought, what a blessing that nothing in this life satisfies. Because every single thing in this life then points to the one who will. My search for satisfaction and stuff is a corruption of sin. But at the same time, it shows me that there is a hunger for satisfaction and pleasure. And if I were to just find that in the ultimate source being God, 
that I would be able to live like Jesus now. And so we've looked at the three qualities that make up kingdom people. And if we're going to be the kind of people or revolution church that are able to impact Oakland, we must be kingdom people. And that means we must believe in Jesus, think like Jesus, and live like him. Because kingdom people are different because of Jesus. And so I'm going to come back to that challenge. I'm going to ask Jeff and Hannah to come back up and lead us in a song here in this moment. But I'm going to come back to this challenge. 21 days left in September. And look, reading the book of John may not be your thing. You might be in the Bible all the time. You might not struggle with thinking like Jesus. But I encourage you to be different. Do something for the next 21 days that targets you being different. Whether it's thinking different or living different. I talked about reading John for 21 days because there's 21 chapters. But what if for the next 21 days you gave up caffeine? Or you gave up lunch? Or you fasted? Or you gave up Facebook? Or if you gave up for the next 21 days that thing that actually controls your life? That thing that you don't believe you can go without? I teach a New Testament class for a bunch of homeschoolers who are in high school. And, uh, and I've begun taking up their phones. And I discovered something psychological that occurs when you take a teenager's phone. They wig out. They, 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 they get antsy. How many times have you looked at your phone today? Could it be that there are things in your life that control your life? And if you're going to be different, and if you're going to live like Jesus, you have to deny self. So whether that's food or caffeine or whether that's porn or abuse, give it up. And let's put God to the test in a positive way here and see if he does not bless you. Just like he talks about in Malachi when he commands the church to, to give tithes. Be generous and see if I do not open up the floodgates of heaven and give back to you more. What are you going to do for the next 21 days to be different? To believe in Jesus, to think like him, 